This episode of On the Record is brought to you by Ingersoll Tillage, specializing in seedbed solutions. Whatever seedbed challenges you have, Ingersoll can give you the right tools to get the job done. For more information, visit IngersollTillage.com. I'm Executive Editor Kim Schmidt. We're at the National Farm Machinery Show in Louisville, Kentucky. Welcome to On the Record. Here's an update on what's currently impacting the ag equipment industry. The past year has been tumultuous for CNH Industrial and Case IH in terms of the turnover of its leadership teams. The latest announcement, bringing back Brad Cruz as the brand president of Case IH, is seen by people familiar with the situation as an attempt to calm dealer, employee, and customer concerns about the continuous churning of top management at the ag equipment maker. At least nine major leadership moves involving top managers at CNHI and Case IH have been made since March 2018. A person familiar with the situation told Ag Equipment Intelligence the changes at CNH caught the distribution network around the world off guard, especially at Case IH with retirements of Brad Cruz and Jim Walker, as well as the departure of Andreas Clauser. It also appears that Case IH employees were very nervous. They go on to say they think the move to bring Cruz back was clearly aimed at providing leadership familiarity, especially in North America, to the distribution and employee groups. I understand that Brad still resides in the Racine area, they say. Cruz retired from CNHI in October 2017. At that time, he was the Chief Operating Officer for CNHI's North American Operating and President of its Agriculture segment. In total, Cruz had worked in various positions for the company for 23 years. During his abbreviated retirement, he served on the Board of Directors of Titan Machinery, one of CNHI's largest dealership groups. Walker retired as Vice President of KSIH North America in March 2018 after 11 years in the position. Scott Harris, who had been serving as Vice President North America for Case Construction, was named as his replacement. Harris joined CNH in 2006. The following month, April 2018, Clauser resigned as Brad President of Case IH to become CEO of Palefinger, an Austrian manufacturer of hydraulic lifting, loading, and handling products. In an email to Ag Equipment Intelligence addressing the crew's announcement, Harris said, I think it's pretty straightforward. He's a seasoned executive who knows our industry, brand, network, and customers intimately. We're excited to have him back on the team. You can go to www.agequipmentintelligence.com for a full report on the top management changes at CNH Industrial and Case IH. This week's dealer on the move is Reister & Schnell. The Wisconsin John Deere Dealer Group has acquired Caroline Implement, a two-store dealership with locations in Marion and Shawano, Wisconsin. Reister & Schnell now has 14 locations. Now here's Jack Semlikow with the latest from the Technology Corner. Thanks, Kim. With ag data connectivity and security being areas of trending importance for manufacturers, dealers, and farmers, at last week's National Farm Machinery Show in Louisville, we invited companies to offer a perspective on how and when blockchain will emerge in ag. While still a vague concept for some, others see more defined entry points and intersection within the ag industry. Doug Applegate, CEO of Praxidine, has been working with Ag Gateway, a collaborative nonprofit organization focused on improving digital ag practices on traceability, tracking grain from the field to the processor, and within the last year, tracking chemistries used on those fields. Blockchain is gaining much more traction. We're probably seeing it a little first in like the fruit and vegetable type markets, which is logical. There's the romaine lettuce thing was a really big deal last year, past year. And um, I think people can track 
this stuff through the system, but blockchain gives credibility to the tracking because it's a distributed database that is hard to tamper with. It's, well, virtually impossible to tamper with. And so it gives credibility, it gives trust to a system. And really that's what it's all about, is trusting the consumer, trusting the supplier. And so it's, that's what blockchain does. It gives you trust that things are not tampered with, the data is not tampered with. Recent market reports suggest that the global blockchain technology market in ag could grow by more than 50% during the next five years, with the primary barrier to expansion being information security. Back to you, Kim. Thanks, Jack. Deere & Company reported net income of $498.5 million for the first quarter ended January 27, 2019, compared to a net loss of $535 million for the same quarter a year ago. Net sales were up 16% to $6.94 billion in the first quarter. Deere's forecast for 2019 calls for net income of approximately $3.6 billion on sales gains of about 7%. Agriculture and turf sales for the quarter increased 10% to $4.7 billion. McDobre, an analyst with Baird, says ag and turf saw some impact from trade uncertainty but notes they view it as only a temporary setback. He also notes that Deere dealers have reported a lot of traffic and strong quoting activity, used equipment prices remain robust, and trade resolutions with China should release demand building from the ongoing replacement cycle. In his year-end report, Deere's chairman and CEO Sam Allen said the Ag and Turf Division's operating profit climbed to $2.8 billion in 2018, or a 12% increase over 2017. He said the strong performance was the result of better market conditions fueled by replacement demand for new equipment, as well as customer enthusiasm for innovative new products featuring the latest precision technology. North American sales of farm tractors and combines in 2018 improved year over year in each equipment category. According to full year 2018 sales figures released by the Association of Equipment Manufacturers, more than 169,000 compact tractors were sold in the U.S. and Canada last year. This was up 8.3% versus full year 2017 and well above the average annual sales of 122,550 units sold during the past decade. For mid-range tractors, total unit sales reached 66,500 last year, a 1.3% gain over full year 2017. Sales levels in 2018 also surpassed 62,400 average annual sales for this tractor category during the past decade. In the past year, sales of high horsepower tractors rose by 5.2% versus the full year 2017. Nearly 22,000 units were turned by U.S. and Canadian dealers in 2018, which was far below the average annual sales of 30,000 high horsepower tractors sold in the past 10 years. Sales of four-wheel drive farm tractors have averaged nearly 5,800 units in the past decade. For the full year 2018, a little over 3,600 four-wheel drive units were sold, which was 5.3% higher than the previous year, but significantly below the 10-year average. Overall, combine sales were up 10.5% in 2018 compared to 2017. Total unit sales reached nearly 7,000 combines. Like the sales of large farm tractors, combine sales in 2018 lagged the 10-year annual average of nearly 10,200 units. During the World Ag Expo in Tulare, California last week, NASA Administrator Jim Bridenstine spoke about how technologies originally developed for space ex exploration are now used to cultivate farms, predict crop yields, and manage water resources. He says through the research NASA has found ways to help farmers reduce their water usage, protect nitrates, and get better results out of their land. NASA, of course, we, we have 19 satellites orbiting the Earth right now that are um, sensing the Earth in all parts of the electromagnetic spectrum. So we're talking about visible light, 
uh, infrared. We're using radio signals to sense the Earth and, e and even ultraviolet. So we're looking at all parts of the, using all parts of the electromagnetic spectrum to sense the Earth. And what in some cases we're proving is that we're able to make very precise determinations as to evapotranspiration of plants on the surface of the earth. In other words, um, how much water is being used by a particular farm down to a quarter of an acre using the sensors that we have on satellites in space. Uh, and, and then using that data with partnerships from you know, NOAA, the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, which has weather sensors on the ground, and working with the University of California in this particular case, the, the Cooperative Extension, to really get very precise measurements for evapotranspiration down to a, a quarter of an acre. And then we can, we can use that data to help farmers know specifically how much water to use. And from the experiments that we've done so far, we've been able to, to demonstrate that uh, the farmers that have taken advantage of this technology are keeping their crop yields the same and the quality of their crops the same while reducing their water use uh, by 20 to 25 percent and of course protecting the nitrates in the soil. Uh, and of course you protect the nitrates by not, not overwatering, if you will because nitrates are water soluble. Um, and so by actually watering less you can actually get more production out of your farm. Uh, and NASA is helping farmers do that directly right now at a small scale. And eventually what we want to do is be able to take that across the entire United States. So any farmer anywhere in the United States and maybe even anywhere in the world can go onto the internet, figure out what the evapotranspiration measurement is for their quarter acre that they might be interested in, and then make very precise calculations as to irrigation. Now if we can do that, the goal ultimately is to be able to feed more of the world than ever before, to maximize the utility of every drop of water, which right here in the Central Valley of California is absolutely critically important. Um, and so these are some of the technologies that we're applying. Now our satellites were not designed specifically for this purpose. Uh, but what is also true is that we're able to use the satellites for this purpose even though they weren't specifically designed for that. And, and again, leveraging technology that exists today uh, to be prepared for agriculture of the future. And now from the Implement and Tractor archives. In the early 1950s, Ellis Chalmers began experimenting with fuel cell power. Those experiments resulted in this experimental tractor, which used 1,008 fuel cells to send 15,000 watts to an electric motor and could pull a weight of 3,000 pounds. In October 1959, the tractor plowed a field of alfalfa with a two-bottom plow and produced no heat, smoke, or noise. As always, we welcome your feedback. You can send comments and story suggestions to kschmidt at lessermedia.com. Until next time, thanks for joining us.